church found me Sitting here drinking beer Talking God, amen Killing time, living life With some down home friends When the world's gone crazy Man, it all makes sense Sitting here Welcome to the Report Readers and listeners God, to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast energized by celsius i am john ledyard from pewterreport.com along with me today is the one and only mark cook he's wearing a little bit of a disguise we'll get into that in a second also of pewterreport.com and we are honored we're thrilled to be joined by an extremely special guest today on the show two-time nfl coach of the year and three-time super bowl champion most recently as head coach of your tampa bay buccaneers bruce arians joins the show today bruce how are you Man, I do a fantastic guys. Any better? I had to be twins. <laughs> <laughs> well, we well, love coach, it. We- well, coach, here, I mean, look, I mean, I'm I'm you know, I'm almost as old as you are now. Now I don't have quite the gray, but it won't be long. So I'm, I'm not no, far no, off. You, you're looking fantastic, brother. The hat and the shirt. All right. Perfect. All right. And the glasses too. <laughs> the glasses too. Well, I'm uh I'm Bruce Arians Jr. Don't tell Jake that though. He might get yes. mad. That's right. <laughs> Jake's going to watch this and think he has another sibling here, but uh, Mark is looking pretty fresh today on the podcast. We are excited about this show. We've got lots of football to talk, as we always do. Uh, we'll get Bruce's thoughts on a lot of things going on with the Bucks. some of these draft picks, the draft process going through this crazy time right now that we have and the, all the changes that have happened there. Uh, but first, we want to make sure we give a shout out, as we always do, to our good friends over at Celsius. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. We got the peach vibe going today. The healthy energy accelerates metabolism, burns body fat. Check it out. This is one of the best flavors out there. If you don't know, go to Celsius.com. Check out all the flavors that they have. Great stuff. They keep you fit. They keep you energized. And there's no drop off like there is with other energy drinks. So we love it. Check out Celsius.com for more about their different flavors. Speaking of no drop-off, Bruce, this has been kind of one thing tight to the next. You play this deep and go that deep into the postseason, win a Super Bowl, and everything kind of picks up right away. The 2021 NFL draft is kind of right on top of you as you finish the season. You've got to get out, scout all these players. I'm curious from my, of my standpoint, because I love scouting the, the prospects in the NFL draft every year. It's kind of where my background's been in. But I'm curious for you as a head coach, what does that process look like for you? Are you scouting – 300 or more players? Are you focusing heavily on offensive guys? How does that process work for you in terms of feeling out and watching and studying prospects? Yeah, we, we do such a great job between the scouts and the coaches blending who we're looking for, what area of the draft they might fall. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll go to – Jason will give me a list of guys that first round to the seventh round uh, at each position – uh, I'll get the scouts' ideas. I'll get the coaches' ideas. Then I watch those guys and uh, figure out. I love this guy in the first. I love this guy in the second. Third, it's all projection, but uh, you know, it's just these guys fit what we do at this time in the draft. And man, it's been a great collaboration between our scouts and our coaches and Jason and his crew. They're they're mm-hmm. the best, man. 
Yeah. And it's, it's so fascinating to me because I, I, you know, look at the different positions, the different groups, and you're obviously studying lots of different players with lots of different skill sets, but at the same time, it all takes time and energy. So again, this is the scouting nerd side of me, but how, how many games do you have to watch of these players to kind of get a great feel of them for you? I mean, you obviously been doing this a long time. You kind of know what to look for. Are you watching five, six, seven games? Does it depend on what the first game shows you? What's that process like for you in terms of scouting these players? Yeah, for, for me, it's uh, let me see the highlight reel. All right. Mm-hmm. No, you intrigued me enough. I'll go back and watch a game earlier, game middle, game late, um, and, and just see if, if, if all those attributes that we really like are there the whole time. And, uh, you know, and so I don't, I don't get bored and wear myself out watching a ton of tape. Yeah, been in this thing long enough. I think I know what a player looks like that we like, and uh, yeah. if he has, if he has, you know, the bend, the twitch, and and the speed, and everything that we're looking for, and he's physical, and he's smart, and he's probably a captain. Yeah, he's yeah. our guy. Jake was on the pod last week and he was kind of telling us about your process and how like he can watch a guy and he'll send him to you and you just kind of quickly are able to kind of be like, ah, no, or yeah, or yeah, this is, you know, that's worth another game or something like that. So pretty, pretty neat to hear him talk about that in this 2021 draft class, you guys had a, you kind of were in a unique position there at the top of the draft. You're looking at the board at 32 and you're seeing a player who's at the top of your board who didn't play this past season. Did that, that the opt-outs and the things like that, did that muddy up the scouting process for you guys? Did you get really caught up in that? Did it make it more challenging to take players who had opted out? It really did. You know, originally it was like, yeah, we're not going to probably take anybody that opted out. It's like, wait a minute. Now, why did they opt out? You know, and uh, then you start looking at the players and you start looking at the junior sophomore tape and say, yeah, there's some really, really good players, man. that didn't play this year for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, and Joe was one of those guys. All mm-hmm. you saw were the arrows going up. I mean, every time you watched him, you saw arrows going up. And uh, so it's like, you know, and then his pro day workout was probably the kicker for me. I, I thought after his pro day workouts, he might have been the best outside guy in the draft. Coach, when you you guys were obviously enamored with Joe Tryon, you take him at, at number 32. But as you start seeing the draft come your way, and you see teams ahead of you taking other guys. Uh, what was the excitement level like when you get the 32? Because you guys didn't waste any time. There wasn't any, hey, we're going to sit here and use our 10 minutes on the clock. We turned in that. You guys turned in that card pretty quick. Yeah, it was. Plus, it was about midnight. So we're, we're like, <laughs> if he's there, bro, we're taking him. We're out of here. Yeah, let's go get some sleep and do it again tomorrow. But uh, yeah, we were so excited that Joe was still there. And because uh, yeah, we knew, we knew there were going to be some outside guys going right about that time in front of us yeah. and like and uh we we had him really highly rated and uh and uh we're really excited about having him on our team if if just say for instance baltimore or kansas city had snapped him up right ahead of you guys i mean obviously you have a contingency plan but was that contingency plan you know hey we've got another player right here ready to go or is that when you learn, start listening to maybe some phone calls because at 32 there are teams that probably want to get back in that first round for that fifth year option. I know that's important to a lot of teams. So I would imagine if, if, you know, you guys would have hung out long enough, you probably would have got some phone calls. Was, so was there a guy there at 32 or, or, or was that point you, you kind of reconvene and say, okay, what are we going to do uh, right now at this point? Yeah, we had three, we had three that we really, really liked. And uh, you know, the, the thing for our football team right now 
making this team, trading back and maybe getting a fifth, sixth rounder, probably not making our ball club. Yeah. Might make our practice squad. So it's like, hey, let's get guys that can help us right now. And uh, right. luckily, we got we got the one we really wanted. Right. That's that's a good point by you. It's interesting as as I was thinking about, you know, as part of my job trying to analyze like who, who the Bucks going to take, you know, what's the the ideas, you know, that they could have at 32. One of the things was I don't know that they can trade down because if they add picks for this year, those guys probably don't make a team like this. It's exactly. just it's really that loaded of a roster. Yeah, it's truly. I mean, it's like Jason and I were talking about it pre-draft. Hey, if somebody wants to come up, what what are we going to get? You know, yeah. you know, if we're not getting a third, a three or a yeah. four, yeah, this is going to be a practice squad guy for us. Right. You've had a hand in coaching Andrew Locke and Peyton Manning during their rookie seasons, obviously. That's that's different than dealing with a veteran quarterback like a Carson Palmer or a Tom Brady. So now as you get this opportunity to work with another rookie in Cal Trask and you went through the draft and you know went into the draft knowing that that could be a possibility for you, that taking a rookie quarterback could be a possibility for you and working with a rookie again. Was that really important for you to have a hand in developing a rookie quarterback at least maybe maybe more than one more time, but at least one more time in your career? Yeah, it's really exciting. And, uh, you know, to get a guy like Kyle, man, he's a sponge. He, he just comes in and he just learns it so fast. He had, he had an unbelievable three days with us, and we threw everything at him. He probably he probably got 70% of the offense thrown at him wow. in those three days. And he walked out on the field. He could go from the meeting room to the walkthrough to the practice and just spit it out. And, and the ball was going to the right spot. And uh, so, yeah, we I was really, really pleased with uh, – that he was there and, uh, you know, there was some thought at 32, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. we might take him there. But uh, uh, the fact that he was there when we took him was we were we were elated. Yeah, it seems well, like it. I mean, go ahead, Mark. I was just going to ask, you know, to follow up a little bit more on Trask. You talk about the mental part of the game. Um, from a, from a technique standpoint, how advanced is he? And I know Clyde's going to work with him specifically on technique and things like that in, in Byron too. And I, and I know that you won't be able to keep your hands out of it too, because it's so important to use proper technique when you're throwing and dropping back and all those things. Where's Kyle at in that process right now, coach? Oh, he's, he's way up there, man. He's been, he's been well coached. Dan does a great job at Florida. And uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, he comes in mechanically. He's, he's in a great place, you know, but our, our quarterbacks, I call it going to the driving range. They're, they're working on fundamentals 20 to 30 minutes every day. And right. doing Clyde does a great job uh, with all the drills and the movement in the pocket, out of the pocket, uh, off platform, being accurate. And uh, so, yeah, he, he did a great job with that. Kyle did a great job jumping in. And, man, he got coached. He had Byron, he had Clyde, he had Tom Moore. I had to get the hell out of the way. So he's getting coached hard enough. I mean, let's let him play one day. Did he get a I dose saw. of the, the dose of the Bruce Arians though? You know, when you when you when you when you get aggravated and you maybe say a few choice words, did you go ahead and throw that at him, or are you going to hold off until training camp for that coach? No, he got one. He got one. He uh, <laughs> he, he scrambled out of there a little bit, just threw one up, and then I just started screaming, "No, never! We <laughs> don't ever ever do that." And he kind of looked at me and said, "You got the point, yes, sir." hey like a sponge just like you said he's retaining it all the good and the bad he's retaining it all learning from it moving forward that's great now he does present a challenge to you on the roster too it's a fun challenge but going to the preseason you know you have four quarterbacks on the roster right now 
do you kind of have a plan in your mind? Obviously, Brady kind of coming off a surgery situation. I know he's supposed to get back on the field soon, but obviously, you know, he's probably not a guy that needs a million reps before the season starts. Do you kind of have a plan in mind already for how you're going to delegate preseason snaps, especially for quarterbacks like Cal Trask, Ryan Griffin, and Blaine Gabbert? Yeah, so much of that depending how practice goes. You know, mm. if we get we get in and we have a good OTAs and and, and a good mini camp, and then as as training camps going on, we've got a we've got a week set up with the Titans. Hopefully, everything goes that we can we can do that, and we'll see, we'll just judge where everybody's at, how much they play in the preseason, and uh, you know the entire ball club. We'll, we'll judge everybody at that. If if I think we're behind, what we'll, they'll, they'll be playing. If I think we're ahead. We won't play as much. So, uh, yeah, all those guys will be getting reps. So. Coach, um, when you look at some of your draft picks back in Arizona, especially those day three guys, you picked up some speedy guys, right, over over the time in, in the third round. And, um, you know, even Scotty Miller here. Um, Darden this year, Coach, another third uh, third day guy, uh, speedy guy. It, do, do you have a type of receiver that you like, you know, a, a late round guy or a guy that – is just unique. I mean, clearly Darden and Scotty Miller are completely different receiver than a guy like Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. Is what what is it about that type of receiver is it that you like and, and fits into your offense? Yeah, those guys have always been successful. You know, when I go back to Pittsburgh, we picked Emmanuel Sanders. Uh well, we actually picked Santonio Holmes first. We picked Emmanuel Sanders, picked Mike Wallace in the third, We've got Antonio Brown in the fifth or sixth. And uh, it's just Guys, guys who have great quickness in and out of cuts, weight, no wasted movement, great hands. All right, uh, forty times don't have to be four three, but they play really fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you look at Jalen on tape, he plays really fast, and he catches the ball so easily away from his body, so he can play fast. He does. He's not thinking about catching the ball. So, yeah, those type of guys, you know, uh, Jalen really. He reminds me a lot of Emmanuel. Emmanuel was was a rookie, but he's got some AB in him too. Um, so it's it's a nice combination to have. Uh, when you've been in it as long as I have and seen the number of different guys, the body types, and who they remind you of, um, yeah, I, I man, the, guy, the sky's limit for this kid. This kid, mm-hmm. as a punt returner, he catches it just easily and makes the first guy miss and. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be great battles, great battles with the guys we have and the guys we brought in. Personality-wise. Yeah, receiver- <laughs> Go ahead, John. Sorry. No, I was just going to say the wide receiver room is it's borderline incredible right now. We'll touch on that in a little bit uh, again. But I want to talk about the running back room, too, because this was a room that you guys – this is only free agent up until you know a couple after the draft. But before the draft, the only free agent you brought in from the outside was Giovanni Bernard. And, what he, and, and so you brought in somebody to that room – did you go into the offseason after the Super Bowl wins, you're evaluating, you're looking back over this past season. Did you go into the offseason with the goal that you wanted to add a veteran? Obviously, you didn't know at that point Bernard would become available. Was it a Giovanni Bernard specific thing or was it going into the offseason saying we want to get better in the backfield? And was there a specific area in the backfield, a, a specific trade or attribute you wanted to get better at guy in the running back room? No, actually, I was I was extremely pleased with where we were in that room. And then when Geo came available, it's like, hey, we have to look into this, you know, because this this is another proven guy on third down, can really catch the ball. He's a good pass protector. Um, you know, I, I love Keyshawn Vaughn. I love Rojo, Lenny. So we got a, we got a great room going already. But 
to throw Gio in there and uh, just add him into the mix, you know, um, it's uh, it's just one of the best rooms in the league, I think. Yeah, I mean, pass protection is the thing that it, rarely do you see a back in the NFL that's like consistently good in pass protection, but it feels like Giovanni Bernard has just kind of hung his whole career on that. Was that a pretty big part of of this move in terms of looking at last season and looking at how you can get better protecting Brady as that as that kind of last line of defense at running back? Yeah, it was huge. I mean, he you see him, uh, he, he's an excellent receiver, but he's a, he's a hell of a protector and he's extremely smart. So you don't see any any blitzers coming that weren't supposed to be getting to the quarterback uh, with him. He's a he's a bright guy and he can really still play. Yeah, coach. Coach, obviously, you and you and Jason and, and his front office staff, you know, you guys are the guys that that run this football team, and you as the head coach make the final decisions on the roster that you want. But when you have a guy like Tom Brady, um, he's not an average Joe, right? He's the greatest of all time. Uh, do you, do you meet with Tom Brady after the season and, and pick his brain and say, you know, even though we won a Super Bowl, what can we do better? Where can we get better at? And just and just pick his brain on thoughts? Or or does he just leave that up to you and then every once in a while maybe chime in if he has an idea? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's both. You know, I, I, I text him all the time, you know, on different ideas. Uh, what, what we did during the pandemic that we didn't do during the regular season, what did you really like? You know, and we're going we're gonna to address our travel uh, schedule this year on Saturdays different than we had in the past because of what we did during the pandemic. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, players, uh, not so much. You know, hey, you might want to look at this guy and uh, see what you think. And um, But, yeah, I'm, I'm always – Levante is the same way. I'm always talking to Levante, JPP, all our leaders mm-hmm. uh, all the time. I mean, I, I want to keep the pulse um, of what they're thinking and get guys that they're gonna they're gonna want to take under their wings, want mm-hmm. to help make us better as a football team. One of those players that kind of guys are gonna have the opportunity to take under their wing for the second straight season is Keyshawn Vaughn. You know, he came in last year and and Leonard comes in and there's some, these, you know, Sean McCoy's there, these veterans in the room. He has the opportunity to obviously learn under guys who've done it for sure. But he doesn't get a ton of opportunity last year. You know, there's some struggles when he does, dropped a couple of passes, fumbled a couple of times, had some good games run the football too. What is kind of a realistic expectation for now you look at the running back room and Leonard's back and Giovanni Bernard's here and Ronald Jones is still here and Keyshawn Vaughn's down there. And it's kind of like, what is the what is a realistic set of expectations for Keyshawn Vaughn this season? Yeah, I think continue to grow as a player. He's a hell of a runner, hell of a runner, getting better in the, as a receiver, really bright guy, good blitz pickup guy. So, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't I would never be shocked if he was our lead dog. I mean, he has that type of ability to be our lead dog, and uh, like I said, that is the most talented room. I and I had I had an unbelievable room in Kansas City when I was a running back coach with Christian Okoye and Barry Word and yeah. Jones and McNair, and well, it was just loaded. And so, right. uh, so yeah, that 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 all plays out. You never know who's mm. what injury. I mean, Lenny Lenny was sitting there. Not knowing what his role was, and all of a sudden Rojo gets hurt, and he's playoff Lenny all of a sudden. Yeah, you know, so you never know in that room. Uh, you cannot have enough good backs. Yeah, it's so funny you mentioned that because it's so true. I mean, I don't know if you even know this, but in the fantasy football community, people are angry at you all the time, Coach. They are always, <laughs> who is going to play a running back? Who's going to get the most carries? They're all, you know, they're concerned about that, obviously. And you never really know. You know, you go, 
week 14 and, and you come out of the bye week and, and Leonard is, is a scratch, you know, Leonard's not playing in that game and everybody's like, all right, we finally know it's Ronald Jones period moving forward. Then you get into the playoffs and it's, it's Lenny going crazy uh, in the playoff games. And he's got playoff Lenny Lombardi, Lenny, you go into mini camp, obviously, and all this now is, is this a wide open call? Obviously Giovanni Bernard will handle, I'm sure some of the third down duties and things like that receiving role, but in terms of like, who's going to feature back, who's going to carry the ball the most times, is this just a wide open competition between Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette right now? Or do you have an idea of kind of how you want to stack this thing going into the year? Yeah. Of all the positions, it's probably the one that those two guys will compete, you know, but you've got both play. Right. They both play. They're so talented and they both bring so much to the table. So hopefully if they're both healthy, they're splitting time. And uh, I know fantasy doesn't like that, but uh, <laughs> you know, those two guys, I mean, Rojo is one of the best runners I've ever, of the football. he's just one of the best runners I've been around. Lenny had that great run in the playoffs mm-hmm. and, and shown his, what, what they drafted him for in the top five. So yeah, I mean, we're blessed. We're blessed to have this, this group of backs and uh, Keyshawn and, and Gio. It's just, it's just, it's a hell of a group. Coach, you talked about, um, I'm going to go back just briefly, when you were talking about playoff Lenny and, and the fact that he got his opportunity when Rojo got hurt with the finger and then and then the COVID issue. I remember, and refresh everybody's memory about this, Coach, I think it was back during the Super Bowl press conferences, when late in the season, you Lenny came in your office or you, you went and visited him and kind of had a come-to-Jesus meeting where – you know, he was frustrated with his role. And, and could you kind of re- recount that meeting, what took place in that meeting and, and, and what it was that you said that, that he bought in at that point, um, you know, for the future. And obviously the success he had down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was, it was going into the end of the season and um, he was unsure what his role was or, or not happy with it, what his role was. And, uh, you know, we, we had to walk through, he was a little bit disinterested and we had a nice conversation. I said, look, when you come back on this field, you have 30 minutes to come back here and tell me that you're all in, or you're going to ask me to release you. All right. Go inside, call whoever you got to get, but you're not going to sit over there away from everybody. And um, you, you got a, you got a tough decision. I mean, he'd been, he'd been the guy everywhere he'd ever been his whole life. Yeah. Right. And, and he wasn't the guy. It was hard for him. And I respected that, but he had to make a decision then and there because we, we were not going to have anybody that was pouting going down the stretch. We couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. He came back at 30 minutes and said, Coach, I'm all in. I'm all <laughs> in. I said, great, because we're going to need you. And then Rojo gets hurt, you know, and, uh, and, and, and he came right to the front and led us mm-hmm. all the way. And, and he, talked about, so, he yeah. talked about that. You know, that, you know, I think it was during the Super Bowl or maybe right after, but he, he talked about that, you know, how much he appreciated you having that conversation, that frank conversation, but believing in him. Because, like you said, from peewee football to college to Jacksonville, he was the guy, right? I mean, he, yeah. there wasn't a whole lot of competition there. So it was an eye opening experience. And I, and I think he matured as a man, not just as a football player, but a man. And, and, and those life lessons, I don't know that people really think about because all they care about is if you win on Sundays. But, but uh, you're continuing to to groom and and help young men become, you know, men later in life outside of football because that's the kind of thing that's going to help him and, and other guys outside of football. No, I'm so proud of him the way the way he handled that situation and and jumped in there. 
You know, I said, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard on those guys sometimes when, hey, I'm better than this. I, yeah, you're probably better than this, but this is your opportunity today. Right. Can't tell you what it's going to be tomorrow, but this is it today. Right. Embrace it and let's go. Coach, when, let's jump ahead to the receiver room. Uh, Antonio Brown agrees to terms. Um, people are getting a little antsy because he hasn't officially signed. What's going on with Antonio? Why has the pen not been to paper? When when can we get that official press release from the PR staff? Coach, what's going on with the Antonio Brown situation? Well, he has to pass the physical. And, uh, you know, he, he hopefully uh, will have a scope on Tuesday, get his knee cleaned up. And, uh, and everything will work out fine. Okay, so it's it's there's nothing uh, you know it's other than just some technical issues and getting him in the building yeah, to, just to get all of, that just taken care of. The physical, yeah. Right, right, and 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 one thing I just want to expand on that just a little bit more. Um, was there ever really a question mark if you wanted Antonio Brown back, Coach? I mean, certainly things worked out well last year in those last eight games. Uh, not really any issues or anything like that. Um, but was there some discussion, you know, uh, number one, it, do we worry about Antonio Brown becoming a distraction potentially during the season? Um, or did you think to yourself, Hey, we got Scotty Miller. We we've got some other guys here. Just your thought process on bringing Antonio Brown back and, um, and, and how much maybe, maybe Tom or, or Jason or some of the other people, you know, kind of influenced that decision. No, no, we wanted A.B. back. You know, he was a model citizen the whole time he's been here. And uh, we wanted him back. And, you know, he's never had surgery in his life. So uh, so it's just a matter of getting the physical done. And uh, so, yeah, no, I've, I've wanted him back the whole time. Okay. It's good stuff. It's, 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 I like the seeing the kind of the, you know, behind the layers of everything kind of that, that go on because there are, there are these players with personalities and lives and things that have happened off the field and things that have happened personally and, you know, coming alongside them in the midst of those situations and helping them grow and mature. And even you and Antonio being able to move past kind of things that have happened in the past, things that have been said in the past, you know, has been kind of an example of that. But when he is back, this receiver room is going to be ridiculous. I mean, you have a top five of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, Jalen Darden. There's Justin Watson, Jaden Mickens. I'm probably forgetting people. You've coached some unbelievable wide receiver rooms in your career, Coach. But is this the best one you think you've ever had? Yeah, I would say this This is, this is pretty special. Uh, just to get dressed on Sunday, you better be a helpful special team player too. <laughs> so just – uh, you know, that, that fifth and sixth spot, um, man, there's going to be some great competition. Yeah. You know, Justin Watson led us in special teams tackles, and I couldn't get him dressed for those last couple of ball games, you know, just because of depth at right. other positions. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great thing to have. I mean, I promise you, when you, when you have those guys, and they're all special in their own way. Right. You know, Tyler made those huge catches down the stretch. Yeah. And uh, Scotty obviously made his big plays. Mike's Mike, Chris is Chris. AB been doing it forever. So each guy's got a role. They expect they accept their roles. And uh, man, it's uh, it's, it's to play quarterback with that group. It's a lot of fun, especially when you throw <laughs> that tight end room in there. 
Yeah, we haven't even touched on the tight end room. I'm not sure we have time on today's show to touch on the tight end room too, but you're right about Brady. I mean, he comes back and he has this incredible group, obviously, to be to be able to throw to this year. You know, he has to get back on the field, though, and we you've said that's that's going to happen soon with him and that there's you know, obviously no concerns with the knee. Well, well, I'm just curious, was it kind of general wear and tear with Brady in the knee, or is there a specific game or point in the season in which he actually got injured and then had to play through that injury? No, no, this was an old, old injury. Okay. When he had when he had his ACL, this this was he never missed a practice or anything last year with that knee. It just something that he had to work on personally uh and wanted to get fixed. A lot of right. people never fix an MCL, but he wanted to get it fixed. And uh so it was it had nothing to do with last year's way he played or practiced or anything. So it's just a matter of his personal decision to get it cleaned up. Yeah, you've sung the praises of Byron Leftwich for a long time now, and we kind of see everything, but we know you're obviously an offensive guru too. So our vantage point into who has what say on what is kind of like limited a little bit. So we definitely rely on people like you to kind of give us an insight into Byron Leftwich and really what what specifically was kind of his impact this year. Did, did his role kind of change and evolve as he grows as a coach this year? Schematically, did he have maybe more say in how things went than in the past? Yeah, he had total say. He ran the entire offense. He ran the meetings. He ran the game plans. Um, I I got way too much credit for doing nothing. All right, <laughs> and Tom Tom got way too much credit for for what Byron did. Uh, Byron ran the entire offense, all the meetings, the game plans. We we talk about them every Mondays and Tuesdays, but uh, mm. I'd have a few things, you know, and uh, did a great job of of keeping all of his coaches involved in the game plan, but. He called every single play, and uh, now he does such a great, fantastic job. But he gets no, no near the credit he deserves. Yeah, that's Coach, amazing. I, I mean, I, even coming out of that bye week, I'm just curious. You know, that bye week, you said no, everything wasn't kind of hitting on all cylinders. Was that a big moment for him as a coach that you, as you look back and you say, was that a big time where he was able to kind of look and sell? Because I noticed coming out of the bye week, there was much more. There was a lot more play action and some things that let some tendencies shifted that led to some really successful play for y'all. Was that a big moment for in his growth as a coach coming out of that bye week and what he was able to look at and evaluate and change? Yeah, he, yeah, he and Harold Goodwin. Kevin Garber, the whole, whole offensive staff got together. Um, I had a little bit to say in it, not much, but uh, where we're, where we're going to head the rest of the way, but it's all Byron. Coach, yeah, Coach Goodwin, I, I was speaking to him at, at your function, um, and, you know, we were talking about Coach Bowles and and even Larry Foote and some guys that are going to be, you know, in their mind or his mind and, and even in our mind, potential head coaches one day. But he was – he almost grew angry that Byron Leftwich didn't get an interview. He he was physically uh, upset when when he when I brought up Coach you know Leftwich not getting an interview. I mean, he just was shocked. Um, you know, what, do you think that 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 coaching a guy if guy like Tom Brady hurt him a little bit because people are saying, well, I I could have had you know I could have won twelve games if I were the offense coordinator with Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady for goodness sake. But what you're saying is is that that. Byron didn't get the the uh, the praise and the recognition that he deserved, and 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 are you shocked that he didn't get an opportunity to interview for head coaching position this year? I was pissed. I was truly pissed because mm. he ran the offense, and you take Tom Brady, who's been in the system for twenty years. We did not run Tom Brady's offense; we ran our offense. Right. And Byron, he was the bridge that 
that could to, could take and everything and put it in Tom's language and talk with Tom personally to get Tom to where he could play. And uh, I think had the hiring process been after the Super Bowl, we probably would have lost Byron and Todd. But, uh, yeah. yeah, no, Byron, had, he got – I get way too much credit for our offense, <laughs> and so does Tom. Yeah. Coach, uh, let's switch over to the defensive side real quick. We'll get you out of here pretty soon. Thank you again for doing this. But um, down the – you know – Early in the season, you had some struggles in the secondary, particularly Sean Murphy bunting, um, Jamel Dean, maybe that Giants game, a couple other games. Carlton Davis was just a a rock for you. Antonio Winfield, same thing. Um, But those two cornerbacks in particular, but in the playoffs, it was a different thing. Sean Murphy bunting got that interception. I think it was the Washington game. Then he follows it up the next week. Was it a confidence thing for those guys? Did it just click? What, What changed? Because the secondary was just really lights out when when you look in the postseason. Yeah, there there was uh, you know it started out really really good and there was a low, and uh, you know sometimes personal things come in play uh, that that never show up in the press or anything else. The guys mm-hmm. go through rough times off the field and it affects them on the field. But uh, you know, Sean had a hit a rough patch of about three or four games, and all of a sudden, boom, he came back. Uh, same Jamel had the big interception against the Packers, had a little bit of a lull. But then Todd does a great job. Those those guys go in there individually at 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning and watch film with Todd personally. And uh, it just it clicked late in the season. It all clicked. And, uh, you know, the entire secondary became the rock, you know, with the linebackers and, and the front, everything – jailed at the right time i know three safety looks defensively they've become more common in the nfl a little bit over the past few seasons you guys didn't do it a ton maybe last year but you did do it against the chiefs had some some great success with it because mike edwards has kind of emerged as this guy who just when he's on the field he just gets his hands on the football and, you, and obviously that's so valuable defensively is there some kind of onus to kind of sit down and figure out, okay, how, I mean, we have so many good defensive backs and we don't necessarily do three safety looks all the time, but how do we get this guy on the field and then also have a guy like Winfield and a guy like Whitehead who are playing lights out? How do we get all that talent on the field at once? Is that something that you all talk about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mike, Mike's the guy that when it's third down, he's got to be on the field. And uh, when Jordan Jordan was playing with a really bad shoulder, so was Antoine down the stretch. So it's like – get them out on third down or, or get one of them out on third down and get Mike in there uh, and, and leave the three corners in there. So, yeah, it was – Todd did a great job of mixing and matching his guys who were healthy and uh, creating a couple of different packages where they're all in there. Right. Now, I know he got flagged for this, but a, a moment of honesty with us here. When this <laughs> happened in the Super Bowl, you're a trash talk guy. I know you are. You've talked about it before. When this happened in the Super Bowl, you never want to see the flag, obviously, but at that point in the game, maybe you forgive it a little bit. Was a little part of you a little bit amped up, Bruce, that, uh, to see to see this happen out there on the field? <laughs> well, I was actually amped the wrong way. I was ripping Twan's ass because I thought they got the ball back. <laughs> And somebody said, no, Coach, we still have the ball. I said, hey, that's a way to go, baby. Good job. <laughs> so it was okay at that point. Long as we got the damn ball back, I'm good. I was in the stands uh, in the media section, but it was right next to uh, a scout section. I won't mention who the scout was. Uh, his name's Byron, by the way, Byron Kiefer. But uh, Byron's a good guy. I've known him for a long time. And uh, 
And and he was doing exactly like you. He was like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? You can't do that. It's the Super Bowl. And then he goes, oh, wait, no, it's still our ball. Never mind. And then he starts cheering. And I was, you know, the same way. I was I was like, oh, man, he's going to get ripped for that. And then all of a sudden you realize, wait a second, that was a post-possession foul. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The kid yeah. deserves it, especially after what happened in that first game. C- Coach, uh, you've got, a, I guess, three years left on your contract. That's kind of what we assumed, the five-year deal when you got here. Um if you keep having fun, do you, do you, do you, do you maybe go that rest of those three years? And, and, and are you tied in with Tom Brady at any stretch? If Tom were to decide to hang it up, do you decide to walk? Or is it just going to be when you decide and know that it's time to go, you go regardless of Tom Brady's the quarterback or Kyle Trask. Is it, you know, what, what's going to determine that for you coach? And can we, can we, can we hope for three more years? Oh yeah. That's the plan. I mean, I don't have any plans on retiring. It's just, when, when do I not want to go back to work? All right. When, I, when I'm not excited about going back to work, then I'm cheating somebody. I'm cheating the Glazier family. I'm cheating my players. Right now, I can't wait to go to back to work. So uh, I, I don't know when that's going to happen. But, no, I'm not tied to any players. Uh, I, could, I could get extremely excited about having another young quarterback and, and going to war with one. Uh, I, I'd be, I'll be honest with you. I'd be excited to take Blaine Gabbert and go to war because I love Blaine mm-hmm. Gabbert. I think he's the most underrated player in the NFL. And uh, so, yeah, no, it's uh, when it's not fun, then then it'll be time. And the health is still good. I know that you uh, got a physical before you signed. That was part of the deal with the Glazers uh, to get a full physical and 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 okay with the wife to do this thing. Uh, everything good health wise still for you. I, I'm assuming Everybody's, everything's great. I just I lost all that weight during the season. I just gained it all back, so I got to lose <laughs> it again. But other than that, uh, I know I got a good clean bill of health, man. I got I'm still I'm still C plus. I'm good. C plus. Bruce, I like that. C plus. I take that most days. Bruce, we had Jake on the podcast last week, and he was kind of discussing your Hall of Fame credentials a little bit with us. And Scott actually wrote a column about it on Friday. By the way, Scott tells he wishes he could be on the show. He's battling some some sickness today, but he wishes he could oh, be man, here I with wish you. He was. Yeah, he, he wrote a column about your Hall of Fame credentials on Friday. And Jake and Scott kind of both felt that with one more Super Bowl victory, getting closer to 100 career wins, that you have a Hall of Fame resume. Is that something you spend any amount of time thinking about, or is that a personal goal of yours at this stage in your career? No, not at all. I mean, when another Super Bowl is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, 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 so much of that's up to other people. And uh, I, I never, I, just, I was just hoping to become a head coach, you know, uh, not become a Hall of Fame coach. So um, I have, and it's never even enters my mind uh, mm. that, 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 that's even a possibility, you know, uh, just, go day to day and we have a great coaching staff and we have a hell of a lot of fun. And um, if something like that would ever happen, we, we need to win a few more Super Bowls. I know that. Right. <laughs> For sure. So last thing I'll ask you, coach, before we get you out of here and you've been very gracious with your time, we appreciate it is what, what is kind of the message you're getting ready to go into this time where everybody's going to be coming back, most players for OTAs and then, you know, mandatory mini camp, everybody will be there and, and you get ready to, to kind of shape the vision for this season. Obviously the goal is the Super Bowl, but what do you kind of tell the team? What's your charge to the team heading into the season as you think about how to lead them after another ring? Yeah, you know, we'll celebrate. We'll celebrate the ring ceremony, and uh, you know it, that will be right before training camp. Then, then mm-hmm. last year's over. Yeah. You know, then you get your rings. That was last year. When you come in the building the next day, you ain't done shit. 
All right. <laughs> this is a whole yep. new team. You ain't got nothing. All right. You got to go win it all. You got to earn it all. You better stay hunting, not be the hunted. Uh, we got to have that. And we'll know we, we practice hard and uh, the guys will know if they're not practicing hard and uh, and I'll let them know. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a grinding training camp. And coach, you've got, you've got a guy on your football team, a quarterback who had a 20 year dominance. I mean, a dominant run in new England and won six Super Bowls, but he was only able to repeat one time in those 20 years. I mean, that, that right there is a message I'm sure Tom Brady will share with that team that, you know, as good as we were for 20 years, we repeated one time. I think people maybe forget that, but that's, that's, it's, they don't think people, I think people just think, well, we'll just go do it again. There's so many obstacles and the league presents challenges. I mean, there's everything stacked against you really to repeat. That's hard. That's really, really, really hard. And, uh, you know, we, we never did it in Pittsburgh and uh, then you come close. And uh, so, it's, yeah, I mean, this, it's just a matter of recommitting everybody. We've got everybody back. Um, now, hopefully they all start showing up to work and, and uh, especially the young ones and, uh, and we'll get going and uh, knock on wood, stay healthy. And uh, if we're healthy going into the season, I like our chances. Absolutely. Coach, Coach one last thing. Um, I just want to do First of all, thank you for the work you do with the Arians Family Foundation. I've shared with you and, and, and your wife my personal story with CASA and, and Guardian Ad Litem programs with, with our adopted son through foster care. We want to thank you for that very much and, and, and the benefit and the fact that you guys raised over $750,000. Um, know, the, the sponsors, the people that came out, the donations and things like that. Now, we don't have $750,000, but we did do a raffle couple years ago when you first got the job you joined the pewter report podcast and i gave you an alabama bottle with coach bear bryant and a lot of people said why in the world would you give him a bear bryant football i mean a, 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 a coke bottle you spent two years with one of the greatest college coaches of all time 19 what 81 82 season in fact you coached with him his very last season um so that was obviously why we did it but you signed one of the balls that we were going to raffle off for an auction. And we did that last week when Jake was on. And, Coach, uh, let me pull up his name real quick because he deserves to be recognized. Uh, his name is Andy Matthews bid $251 for that bottle, Coach. So uh, he's going to send us a check or forward a check to you guys, and then we'll send him the bottle. But Andy Matthews was the winner at $251. So, first of all, thanks for the work you do, but thanks for signing that bottle for us. We were able to get that money. I know it's not thank, a lot, thank, but every penny Andy. helps. Yeah. Yep. Thank, thank Andy for uh, for bidding on it, and thank you guys for auctioning it off. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's a great cause, and uh, uh, my wife, she's the real hero in this family. You know, she's she's been doing that work for so long, saving those kids one at a time. So, it, you know, the foundation uh, event was awesome. Thank you guys for supporting us, and uh, it was it was the best we've ever had. Hopefully, it'll even be bigger and better next year. I think it Absolutely. will without COVID and those kind of precautions and things. I think I think next year is going to be even bigger, Coach. But thanks for, yeah. thanks for doing that. From me personally, I thank appreciate you. what you guys do. Thank, thank you, guys. Yeah, yeah, and thank you for taking the time to join us today and come on the show, talk a little football with us. I know a busy stretch of the schedule. Hopefully, you get a couple, a little bit of time to relax here before the craziness and the madness starts. Maybe you get July. Maybe you get a little bit of July before you get into training camp. A little bit of time. That's Hopefully right. My golf game gets better. <laughs> <laughs> That's the key to the offseason. You want to go into training camp with a good mindset for sure. So, Bruce Aarons, everyone, thank you so much, Bruce, for taking the time to join us today. Appreciate Thanks, it, guys. Coach. Thank you, guys. Appreciate yeah. it.
Absolutely, Bruce Arians, ladies and gentlemen, some good stuff and some good insight from him, Mark, on the show. I didn't show. Man. I didn't show him my shirt though. See, it's, and I, I wonder, think he kind of saw it. I wonder if bit. he gets residuals on that. Should I? I'm sure have done that. But that, um, <laughs> do I look like my go. shirt? No, not really. Oh well. No, it's great stuff, and it was good to hear some insight from him, kind of on everything. Really I good stuff. The Leonard Fournette story was so interesting to me, and it's such a microcosm of the season, man. I mean, and I think that the, was kind of something that got overblown a little bit because I think it yeah. took place during Super Bowl week. I think it was Leonard talking about it, and you know, there were so many different interviews and things like that. But it really stuck out in my mind the fact that he said, "I'm giving you 30 minutes. Decide what you want to do." That's yeah. tough love, man. Right. And 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 it really, you know, it, obviously it turned out great. For, for everybody and, and Leonard's back again. I mean, but he could have easily, you know, John, because he was a healthy scratch a week or two before that. Remember, mm-hmm. he could have easily just said, you know what? I'm done. Cut me. Right. You know, I'll go play the last right. couple games somewhere else or start over next year. But he didn't. So, right. uh, I, yeah, that's that's a terrific story from Coach Arians. Yeah, and, just, you know, shows you the kind of guy he is. I mean, he'll like Bear Bryant told him, coach him hard, hug him later or something like that. You know what I mean? You right. got You got to be tough on these guys. You got to show them you love them, but you got to. You got to be tough on him too, and and that's what he did with Leonard Fournette. Yeah, no question. It's uh, that was great to hear that, and also, man, the Blaine Gabbert love—it stays alive. <laughs> Scott is. Oh my gosh, Scott happy. is running around his house right now. <laughs> he he loves the down. most underrated player in the NFL, Mark. He loves him. Whatever they're seeing in practice from Blaine Gabbert, we don't get to see a lot, you know. Especially the last year, we barely seen Blaine play. Yeah. I mean, the Detroit yeah. game at that, that counts. Scott and I got to game. see him the year before in training camp, and. Yeah. But then you know, he got hurt, right? Well, he got hurt in the preseason, but we saw, right. you know, the the three, the two and a half sure, weeks sure. before the preseason game started. Um, you know, and we were like, okay, you know, there's some, you know, it's okay. It was Blaine Gabbard in yeah. our mind. You know what I mean? We weren't expecting a whole lot, but but even then, you know, Bruce um, you know, was talking him up quite a bit. Um, we don't necessarily see the same thing, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, again, statistically. The guy hasn't done a lot in the NFL, but as Jake said last week, I said had like seven different offense coordinators in eight years yeah. or something like that. Or it's true. Head coaches. I mean, yeah. you know, if the you and I had seven or eight bosses in seven or eight years, we would uh we would not be as talented go, as we are now. That's, that's right. We go crazy too. So yep. it was great stuff from Bruce, always gracious with his time and always able to give us a little bit of insight we didn't have before, which is the kind of the best part of doing this job, to be honest, is getting a little bit of that insight. And so it's good stuff from him. Tomorrow we've got more good stuff. Also 4.30 tomorrow. So set your reminders. 4.30 tomorrow will be on the stream. I'll be joined by Marcus Mosher. He is going to talk Cowboys with me. He covers the Cowboys. He's going to talk Cowboys with me. We're going to talk week one. He also covers the draft. He is going to give some insight into Joe Tryon and what he kind of thought of the Bucks draft class a little bit. And he'll be able to give us some insight into the Cowboys edge rusher that just came over. What's his name? Leonard. Hamilton, I don't even remember his name now. now Leonard Hamilton me. coaches Florida State's <laughs> that, basketball program. That's don't, right. Well, who's on. the guy? That, who's the guy they just I signed? I can't remember. Ladarius can, Hamilton. That's Ladarius Hamilton. There you go. You noticed I, I, I didn't bring up John. I didn't throw you under the bus. The Bruce that you had Joe Tryon as a third third round guy. I did. We didn't mention that at all. Yeah, it's true. You didn't. Yeah, and I would have mentioned it honestly. Had it been if if Bruce and I are ever you know if we're ever just kind of shooting you know talking a little right. bit on the side like. I'll mention to him, you know, my scouting process thoughts on him, but it was you'll definitely either, a, a not about be me able show. To say, you'll either be able to say, I told you so, or damn, I was wrong. But either way, That's you know true. what I mean? But part of part of it is the prism by which he can view things through. He right. views a guy coming into a system where he doesn't have to be a starter right away, and he can develop and work with coaches that he sure. trusts. 
in that prism, that's where the pick makes sense. And that's why NFL teams will always have kind of that advantage in being able to see how the player slots in. Um, So we'll see what becomes of him. And I know they're very, very excited about him. It was cool to hear him talk about that. I thought the name, Mark, and the other two players that they had high up on their list along with Joe Tryon, you know, and I think some people have said it was kind of like maybe a Travis Etienne or a Kadarius Tony if they fell there. Neither mm-hmm. did, and so maybe that made the decision easy. Or maybe there were two guys even that were on the board when trying. Yeah, on the board, it's but. it's it, you know I was curious if they would you know and, and again we talked about and Bruce said it you know we didn't want to trade down uh, or trade out of that number one pick because you know what are you going to pick up some guys that might not even make the football team. Yeah. My thought was you look the next year, right? Because chances right. are whoever you trade with that team's not winning the Super Bowl. So right. it's going to be better than a number 32 pick last year. Even if you rewin the Super Bowl, you have a 15 and a 32, right? Or something mm-hmm. like that. But yep. boy, how anticlimactic would that be for Bucks fans? I mean, they had people at the stadium. We had done 19 straight hours of broadcasting and formed it. Wouldn't that have been awful? Like, well, they traded out. We'll see you guys on Friday night. You right. know, that would have been <laughs> awful. And, uh, but but it sounds like they had a couple other guys. That yeah. If Joe Joe had gotten taken by you know I, I forgot right. who it was Baltimore or the Chiefs that were right in front of him who would have yep. uh, they Saints, they had yeah. a couple guys in mind. I just wish we knew who that was. But yeah, we'll we'll spend the offseason digging on that. He'll, he'll he'll tell us at some point. He told us eventually Antonio Gibson or Antoine Winfield was their second round choice last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't, they had no first round choice that last year because they traded up for Werfs. But yeah, he'll he'll let us know at some point in time. But yeah, it was still good to get insight from him. Like I said, tomorrow we'll get insight from Mark insight from Marcus Mosher on uh, the Cowboys and that matchup uh, for Week One against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's going to be a blast to talk to him. And then Friday we'll be on at one with Mike Clay from ESPN. He's coming on to talk about strength of schedule, why the Bucks have the best strength of schedule in the NFL this season, and why he believes the Bucks are going to win the Super Bowl once again. So. It's been when a great that? week on the Peter. Wait, That's going to be Thursday, Thursday at 1 p.m. I, say, I might be hearing things. Thursday at 1 p.m. I might be saying things. I don't know at this point, but Thursday <laughs> at 1 p.m. So tomorrow, 4.30 p.m. with Marcus Mosher. Again, we're trying to shift schedule around just to make it work with guests. We are typically 4 p.m. Eastern. We make it work uh, with the guests as much as we can. So 4.30 with Marcus and then four, and then 1 p.m. Eastern with uh, Mike Clay on Thursday will be live and obviously if you miss it live you can rewatch it Peter Report TV go over there hit subscribe hit the bell to get the notifications for when we do go live uh, all the support has been a uh, game changer for us for sure and uh, and the subscription numbers and all that stuff continues to change the game for us so we we very much appreciate it all right, Mark, we got to get All out right. of here. Appreciate yep. you. Appreciate you being on uh, today and, and being able to do this. Appreciate Bruce, obviously, and him taking the time to do this with us today and give us some great insight into the team. And appreciate all you for jumping in here and sharing and continuing to, to help this podcast grow. So until tomorrow at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, we'll catch you again on another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. Out.